0: Hi Chris, how are you?
1: Yeah, hi Rod. Here we go. Episode seventy-seven. Then we're going to get straight into our our mini series for when you're away on holiday.
0: Absolutely. So this is the eighteenth of July, twenty twenty-three. If you're paying attention, we're recording from the future or the past. Which way round does that work? We'll be recording from
1: the past, but submitting it to the apps to the iTunes podcast store for the future. I don't know if I've got my words right. There. I don't know where you submit podcasts because you take care of all that.
0: I do all that mystical magic stuff. Yeah, that it just sort of happens as far as you're concerned, which is fine. It's all good. It literally is magic. <laughs> so we won't talk about the weather because that hasn't actually changed since we did the last one. We thought we'd do a little special and commemorate 15 years of the App Store, I think is our plan today, isn't it?
1: Yeah, so App Store recently turned 15, you and I have been partaking in the App Store for probably the last 15 years, which feels insane to me that we've been using iPhones that long and buying apps, because obviously the first year of the iPhone was App Store-less. You can buy anything, you just had those standard apps that Apple did, and obviously that was less apps than they do now, and you had much slower connectivity, and the iPhone, whilst Whilst it's similar to what it is today, you can see there's a natural evolution. It was very different in what you could and couldn't do with the device. You know, you couldn't copy and paste and all all those sorts of things. So yeah, 15 years the App Store.
0: It is amazing to think back, and we've talked about it on the show before, both of us queuing for iPhones on the day they released in the UK, which came after America. I think it was very small. It was like a four gigabyte phone or something like that when it released. It was a four gigabyte and an eight gigabyte version. Am I right in remembering that?
1: I think you're right, but I think they did away with the four quite early on.
0: They did. I think by the we there were only eights by the time it came to the UK, possibly. So that's what we had. And the first couple of years, no app store. Steve Jobs famously said, "You're going to do it all with Safari links on your desktop, and you were just going to go from that." And we were happy with that. Mm,
1: were we happy with that? But it was only about a year. It was iOS two that you got the app store. So it was only about twelve month period that we were app storeless.
0: We were happy with that, though, because we had a good web browser on the phone. We, we used to make phone calls back in those days, and that worked well. It had SMS built in, and that worked quite well. You know, we were reasonably happy with what we had. We didn't really know. You know. It was only developers who immediately started jailbreaking it and showing what could be done with things like Twitterific, I think, that showed the potential for what else could be on there.
1: Yeah, but you got to remember, though, most of us had iPods at the time and flip phones of some, some description, and we... We're just happy to have an iPod where it was in full color, widescreen. You could scroll through all your albums, if you remember that interface, and your photos. It just did generally feel like the future. I think we are still in the magic of multi-touch. So amazing though, within a year, they had done the App Store.
0: They did. And again, we had some apps built in. Like, we've talked about this on the show before, when that classic 3GS went on sale, I think it was. That YouTube and Maps were actually baked into the app, the, baked into the phone from the start. So there was a little sort of old TV looking thing. It looked like a bit of the TV from the Matrix. So you didn't need to go and download the YouTube app until Microsoft and uh, until Google and uh, Apple fell out. It was built in. So yeah, that was you know, from version one, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was insane. So from the very first iPhone, yeah, you had YouTube on it. You had weather. You had Safari. You had notes. You had mail. You had iPod, which kind of had music and videos in it it was fantastic like you could do already so much more than you could do before and it was easily accessible like it was a lot more accessible than what you'd have done on your nokia or your motorola so we were already light years ahead
0: we were so looking back the way we were going to do this is both of us downloaded apps on the day the app store came out which for reference was the 10th of july 2008 which is we've hit the anniversary pretty well here for our podcast i think both of us downloaded a couple of apps that were the same on day one, and we've got a few that sort of went on on the next day. I think the joy of just, I'll try this, I'll download it and see what it's like, was definitely infecting both of us at this point. But obviously, there was a couple of things that we just downloaded because they were there, because there wasn't that much. I'm interested, as I look through our screenshots, Chris, that neither of us downloaded the I Am Rich app.
1: <laughs> I'd forgotten about the I Am Rich app. Wasn't that a really expensive app, like a thousand dollars or something?
0: A thousand dollars or five hundred dollars or something that They'd set a maximum limit for apps in the app store And this developer And it was basically just The app was called I Am Rich The app icon was a diamond When you opened it up it was a diamond And it was just to show people That you'd you'd nailed a thousand dollars Or whatever it was in the app store
1: Yeah it was insane wasn't
0: it It didn't do anything else It's interesting I did a Swift course last year sometime And the first app you make is the I Am Rich app in the Swift course And that, that amused me no end
1: Oh really?
0: Yeah Good, okay, so I'm looking, let's let's talk about your list of apps here first. So it looks like the very first thing you downloaded was iTunes Remote.
1: Yeah, which doesn't surprise me because I may have had an Apple TV or something at the time, I can't remember, or a Mac, I can't remember now.
0: I'm trying to think what iTunes Remote would have been for. Is it literally to control iTunes on your computer
1: from your phone? Yeah, maybe, or your speakers, I guess. I'm looking back at my apps, I'll be honest, so I've got iTunes Remote in there. I vaguely remember that, and you can still download it now. I then got Cube Runner... Which looks like some sort of flying game, Blip Solitaire, which I love Solitaire, so I'm not surprised by that. T four two three, which looks like some tennis game. Alarm free. I'm guessing that was some sort of alarm thing.
0: But that was on the next day, so you downloaded four uh, apps on on okay. on the ten on on the tenth, and then you you'd obviously thought I've had enough of these already, and you moved on to Alarm Free. So no 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 alarms in iOS early iOS clearly.
1: Yeah, I guess I guess not, and I think though back then. There were new apps being released daily because it was brand new, but there wasn't many apps on the App Store, you know. You could probably download all of them in five minutes because it was like 10 apps or something. So you were going to App Store to see what was new, whereas we don't do that anymore because there's so many apps on there. Then there's this thing called Carlin Tap. No idea what that was. I think you said that was the drinking app.
0: That that was the drinking app. If you remember, it was quite a big deal when it launched. It got a bit of buzz around it. It looked like a virtual pint of lager and you Uh, held on the phone. And you could pretend to drink it. You could tip the phone back and the level would change. And as you held it back, it looked, the level would go down. I'm pretty sure that was that app.
1: It was quite cool, I guess, at the time for the novelty factor. Then I've got a currency app, which I'm not surprised about. I worked for an international company then. and We did a lot with exchange rates and currency. So, so I think I had that for work, work purposes. Actually, I used that app quite a bit when we were on holiday back then. Then a a to-do app, which looks horrific looking at now. And then the New York Times, because I was probably just trying it out. What struck me, though, is most of these apps you can still download. Because I thought Apple were doing away with that. Because some of these apps have not been updated in literal years, you know, five years, some of them. But you can still go and get them. Whereas I thought they were having a real cull and clear the app store.
0: Yeah, you might be able to get them, but whether they'll run or not is another thing, I guess, on more modern versions of the uh, the iPhone. I I don't know. I, I, I am quite amused by it. The fact that some of these are still around to be honest you know that uh, that to-do app i'm looking at the icon of that which is a tick it's not that different from you know the tick tick app i use all the time now yeah maybe it was ahead of
1: its time but it didn't end up going anywhere and then i was just gonna call out two others on my next sheet. so that's the, the first screenshot i've done and then on the second screenshot there are two apps which i still have on my phone today one is the paypal app and one is shazam music discover which obviously apple ended up buying but they are apps I installed on the twelfth of July two thousand eight and they are still going today and installed on my phone. I mean you can see from the rest of it most of the stuff I downloaded was games, Bomberman, love Bomberman and Super Monkey Ball. But those games are games I don't don't really play anymore. So it's interesting to see the sort of plethora that was out there and I really only have a PayPal app because I have to pay for my kids' school stuff through PayPal. And as soon as that's finished that app will be going.
0: Fair enough. I have vivid memories of Super Monkey Ball because it was one of the apps they demonstrated when they were talking about launching it. And in the same way, the Carling Tap app used the accelerometer to see where the fluid level was on your phone. Super Monkey Ball, you had to roll the ball in the monkey by by tilting the phone to move it backwards and forwards or left or right or across the map as you went. And it was quite an impressive little game, actually, almost a tech demo in some ways for what the iPhone could do. And I'm not surprised it was Sega made it. I think so. Yeah, so, well, right. the first big. First big collaboration between Apple and a games manufacturer, and twelfth of July two thousand and
1: eight. Yeah, it's interesting looking back a little. Like I say, those were days where you you'd literally every day you could look and find new stuff. It was super interesting. It was the same when the iPad first came out. But I am disappointed how much of it. I guess am i disappointed that I can still download some of this stuff. I was like I said, thought Apple would have cleaned it out, and I did download Morocco last night because I saw it in this list, and that was a game which I think has got a different name, but where you you basically get black or white tiles, and you have to get. Cover the board in your color tiles as as many as you can by the end of the game, and I love that game. So now it's in, interesting to go back and have a look because half of these apps, I'll be honest, I don't really remember.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm slightly perplexed by some of them as well, but it's it's interesting to go back and look. I'll I'll go through mine now because we've got some we've got some overlap in what we downloaded here. So the first app I also downloaded was iTunes Remote. It must have been the mo- the most obvious thing on the App Store at that point, and it's, it's ironic that neither of us really remembers what it does.
1: I guess it was Apple doing that, maybe their tech demo for for an app and show, showing the way.
0: I, I All I can think of was you could control the music playing on your Mac from across the room in iTunes. That's the only, because there were no Apple TVs or there, were, there was nothing like that to, to, to control otherwise back in those days. So there can't have been any other reason for it. This The second app I downloaded was a thing called Hippocrates, which was, I was still working in a hospital at that point and it was for defining various medical cases and things like that. So I think I may have enjoyed the novelty of that for a couple of days and then never used it again i've certainly never thought about it again facebook uh, back in 2008 i was more of a a facebook kind of guy and i did quite enjoy it and that's how i kept in touch with lots of friends and colleagues so unsurprisingly that was the third thing i bet if i downloaded that now not that i have an account to run on it anymore it wouldn't look that drastically different from how facebook did back then it's not an app they pay a lot of attention to
1: yeah i doubt it's moved on that much is it you were just posting text and photos and comments i guess
0: Exactly, Shazam, which, as you've already said, is something that's still on our phones. In fact, Apple bought the company, and you know it's now built into to, into phones anyway. Still, quite an impressive tech demo back in the day that could listen to a bit of music, and, and it, you know, for it to have lasted fifteen years and still be more or less the same, with the exception of Google sort of baking it into the all was on part of their Pixel phones. So, you know, th- that kind of technology, rather than Shazam, exactly, I should say, it, it's still quite a cool thing.
1: Apple have it baked into your iPhone as well, so you can go hey dingus what's this and it will
0: try and identify it it will but google will just show you it on the on the lock screen on the pixel
1: oh okay that's kind of cool
0: which is kind of cool isn't it they've got an always on display as well as long as a pixel phone it's not it won't work on samsung or anything like that but they've got an internal database of i don't know three thousand songs or something so the most common ones it always knows and it'll just show you that on the lock screen oh okay See, that's a good use for an always-on display that Apple should maybe think about doing. Yeah,
1: your fifth download of the first day is interesting.
0: Evernote. Evernote. So in our previous, in last week's show, we talked about the the impending death of Evernote and how it was coming. And I wanted a good notes app back then, and I think I even paid the subscription. This was before an app purchase, mind, so it probably would have been via credit card on the on the Evernote website. But yeah, I I, I used quite a lot of Evernote back in the day.
1: Yeah, I, I, I bought Evernote 2 at some point. Obviously not quite as early on as you.
0: Yeah, and then Super Monkey Ball because I was just as impressed with the tech demo as you were and it was a fun little game, it really was. Now, one that sort of, and we're on to the, the next day, well, Super Monkey Ball was the next day for me and I think you're right, maybe it did drop the day after, obviously didn't make day of release. I downloaded an app called Advent. I don't remember what that is. The icon is a bloke climbing up a hill. I can't believe I'd have bought an Advent calendar, particularly in July or
1: it looks like a mountaineering app from the icon.
0: It does. I don't know what it is. Uh, weather bug. So we clearly can't have had a weather app built into the iPhone at that point either, or I just wanted a different one. And then it looks like I downloaded AIM, which is a meri- which was a text messaging app. I have no idea why I'd have done that. I was never a user of AIM, or maybe I was briefly to test this out, but it doesn't make an awful lot of sense to me.
1: So I downloaded AIM at the same sort of time as you. I'm going to have to guess that you made me download it.
0: That's what I'm going to go with. Maybe we just wanted it to see a comms app where we weren't sending text messages. Were text messages still part of bundles back then? Oh, I can't remember. I'm sorry. I'm trying to think. It now. might It might have been that, you know. It might have been we could just use our data plan to send messages back and forth.
1: Yeah, potentially. It's so. I can't even remember what that app would have been like back then.
0: Probably quite similar to the way they look these days. I also downloaded the New York Times on the 14th of July. I downloaded Last.fm, which does make sense to me, actually. So Last.fm, which still exists to this day, I think, used to use a technology called scrobbling. So if you did listen to things in iTunes or you'd stream things from radio stations or all the rest of it, it would identify the track you were listening to and give you counts of what you were listening to. So if you'd listened to I Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel 300 times, it would give you that count, last listen, statistics, when you listen to it, all that kind of stuff. It was quite a cool app.
1: It was cool. And I did use Last.fm for quite a while, actually, if memory serves. And it is still available today.
0: Yeah, good. I think there's a TV equivalent of it called Tracked, T R A K T, that'll do the same sort of thing for TV shows.
1: Uh, okay, that's interesting. Cracking name, though, Last FM was a good name.
0: Yeah, good. and the fact, I think you could stream things directly from them as well, couldn't you? They had some sort of limited. Yeah.
1: Interesting. Is you've odd. got a VNC client, you've got Mocha VNC lighting now. I can't imagine VNCing on an iPhone 1. That must be quite limiting.
0: What was the screen? 320 by something? There w- it wouldn't have been a very high-resolution screen at all to connect to anything. It's
1: like 320 by 280 or something like that, if memory serves. It this is the pixel density. It wasn't Retina. you know it's very pixely. But people did design pixel-perfect interfaces because there was only one iPhone. It was one size. That size lasted all the way up until the iPhone 4S, if memory serves. It was the 5 that then was slightly taller. But you could have a pixel-perfect display because there were so few variations. Obviously, processors got faster in those, those phones, but the screen was always the same size and pixel density. So people really took the time to make it pixel perfect. There'd be a lot more graphics in there, whereas today, obviously interfaces need to expand, and therefore we don't use textures quite as much as we used to back then.
0: Yeah, I didn't put on my third screen, but my third screen actually contains Twitterific. So this, uh, it was in 2008 I joined Twitter as well. So that's also quite bittersweet, actually, when I look back. And that was such a revolutionary app because it actually brought some of its paradigms into the App Store as well. So the pull-to-refresh thing that Twitterific had to go to Twitter and download more tweets, that was brought in by a third-party developer. It wasn't an Apple thing to go and do that pull-to-refresh, and they actually baked that into the operating system down the line.
1: Yeah, baked into iOS, and now we use it in more than just Twitter apps. Yeah, it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, so well done, the Icon Factory and Craig Hockenberry for coming up with that particular gesture. And it, you know, it's amazing. Actually, you know, the, the, how many of these apps are still things you can you use every day?
1: Yeah, some of them really have stood the test of time.
0: I wonder if we get to fifteen years of the iPad, if we'll be looking at the apps on that in the same sort of fondness, or, or you know, what will be there.
1: The thing I remember about that iPad is when games were brought over you know you'd have flight control on the iphone which was a flying game and then it'd be flight control hd on the ipad so they could charge you a different amount of money i guess and it was just the game but scaled up and i loved a load of those games on the ipad on that nice 10 inch screen you even had command and conquer they did a red alert variant which i don't think it's still around now but i love that game so much
0: well it's command and conquer so of course you're gonna love it yeah big command and conquer fan here anything else to say about the app store other than happy birthday i guess (laughs)
1: Uh, I guess it's mixed emotions, isn't it? Loved having the app store, loved all the games you could get. I guess now here we are 15 years later, it hasn't really moved on that much. I know we get subscriptions, but it is a shame that they haven't done more opening up and Apple is still forcing so much through it. I think things have improved slightly, but at quite a glacial rate. I did go into Audible yesterday and I bought an audiobook from within the Audible app and and used one of my credits that I already own. And I thought, oh, I didn't think that was a thing. So I think there have been some improvements, but i think apple don't have the moral high ground that they should have for the company that pride themselves on their policies and and their stance on privacy i think at the end of the day they are still a massive corporation
0: that yeah money and they do make me uncomfortable in that they claim this is the only way you can have an app store with the gatekeeping and the app control and all the rest of it but I was teaching in a course in London this week. We were requiring people to install two-factor authenticators. We said, just use the Google or the Microsoft two-factor authenticators. Two or three of the people had downloaded things that appeared to be the Google or Microsoft two-factor authenticators, and they were nasty, spammy, scammy two-factor apps. And that's completely unacceptable for when you're going to start installing software that you need to trust on your phone if anything needs a higher level of control than something like that. And I think that's unfortunate and a very bad way for the App Store to have gone and it's just drifted in that direction everybody knows it's happening but they seem to uh, make no desire to stop it
1: yeah that's true considering they check every app they they still manage to let some things through they shouldn't and equally they seem to stop some things that they shouldn't and every now and again we do get a controversy blow up it seems better from what we've heard we've we've had less cases of that i think but I, i still think they've got some way to go you know they've they've had this monopoly for a long time now they should start getting comfortable with opening it up i think that's We're going to end there at some point. It'd be better if they did it in the right way rather than be forced to do it in the wrong way.
0: We totally are. And in last week's show, we talked about Amazon being sued by the EU or Amazon suing the EU for designating them as a large platform. We know about they want to force companies to open things up. We know USB C is coming to the next version of the iPhone, for example. The same thing is going to happen. And Apple had an opportunity at WWDC this year to get out in front of it. And I really think they're going to miss the boat here. And they will fight it tooth and nail because. It's in their interest to have this. They have their own market. They can charge what they like. They can do what they like. They have this history of being reasonable gatekeepers, so people will just go along with it. But there is no real alternative to it. And I think that's unfortunate. People like Epic could potentially innovate in this space, as could Steam, as could Microsoft, could open an app store on the the iPhone if they wanted. And I think they should be allowed to, frankly, to really sort of push innovation forward in this space.
1: Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. And actually Microsoft have gone a long way, haven't they, with their recent updates? So I say recent, it's probably over a year now that they did to the Windows 11 App Store of allowing more people in it and allowing other apps on there. They've, they've probably have gone the other way. I know it's a much smaller user base.
0: It, it's weird you say that, isn't it? Windows is a much smaller user base, but I. it seems like a ghost town to me, the Windows App Store.
1: I don't necessarily mean Windows is a smaller user base, but the App Store on Windows is a
0: smaller mm-hmm. user base. But yeah, I think we are talking about the same thing. That they have all those eyeballs on all those Windows ten and eleven desktops. I w- I would never go to the Microsoft App Store to download something. I'd always go to the website and download the the various thing. You know what it was I was looking for. It, it it's even worse than the Apple App Store for the installed user base.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair.
0: And we should maybe finish this thought by saying the Apple App Store is still not a great experience either. Actually, the one on your Mac. Mm, I very rarely will go there first to download things other than things I've already bought.
1: I'd agree with that. I think it's very rare. I go on it. Generally, you're on your desktop. You go to the website to to look for it. And uh, the other thing as well, just probably to mention on the iPhone, now they've introduced apps to the ads to the App Store. They've actually deteriorated the experience a little bit there, I think.
0: I'd 100% agree with you. I think that'll do us for the App Store.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry we've ended on a bit of a downer, but we ha- <laughs> on the whole, though, the App Store was amazing and revolutionary, but it hasn't moved with the times enough. I think that's the, the, the long and short of it.
0: I don't think that's a bad thing. It's, it is something to be celebrated, but they've kind of hung on to that ideal, and you need to move with the times a little bit, and the, the times they are, are moving, and Apple need to get in front of it again, otherwise they'll begin to, they'll begin to become a bit more irrelevant.
1: Yeah, that is always a concern, isn't
0: it? It is. So I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna talk about two positive stories about what can what can happen to, to or well, what I think can happen in the worlds of open source and, and corporate software. So I've got two apps of the week this week, just because I didn't do one last week and I'm not gonna do one next week. So, you know, I may as well sort of try and balance my odds here. And these are decorporatized versions of apps that, you know, you may be familiar with. So everybody has heard of the Chrome browser. It's what Google will try and sell you. It's full of, go- not sell you, will give you, but they obviously want to track everything you do within that. And they've got very strict control over, you know, do not track cookies or the pl- this plugin or it'll default to the Google search engine or whatever else within that. There is a de version, the open source elements of the Chrome browser. So it will work like Chrome. So it'll work with more websites than a Firefox or a Safari or something like that because Chrome is the lingua franca of the web, really. But it's all the Google APIs are taken out of it. It's updated every night, so you get all the freshest features. All the things in the Chrome extension store work with it, so 1Password will work with it, all the various bits and pieces as well. So that's quite nice. I run this via Brew, which is a Mac extension for downloading Linux software and things like that, so I can get the latest build of it. If you don't run brew or one of these other things, then you've got to go and download a build of it every once a week or something like that, which isn't that big a deal. You can do it. But having it baked in so I can just run one terminal command and pull it down again works nicely. If you're a Linux or a Windows user, you can use Chocolatey or, or your package manager on Linux to do this for you because they're better like that, frankly. Or there's fair spins such as things like Vivaldi on Windows, which will download the latest version of this instead. I just think this is a good thing that you can get the browser that is fundamentally what will work on the web and get it completely de to have all that sort of corporate contamination removed from it i think it's a good idea
1: yeah i completely agree with you there i must apologize to our listeners i live near the biggest air show in europe and it's this weekend so apologies if there's any background noise as a massive jet just flew over me whilst you were talking to it so apologies there but I know it looks interesting you've just named a whole bunch of stuff I've never heard of I think it's a chocolatey yeah this is a world I know very little about but I've, I always feel I'm a little left behind on some of these things
0: so in the world of Windows corporate IT when you're trying to install package managers and things like that then Chocolatey gives you like a, an app an apt store in the same way Ubuntu is sudo apt get and things like that you can have Chocolatey for Windows which will you'll be able to package things like the thing I'm going to talk about next, things like Visual Studio Code that you can pull down and and, and make use of and, and manage installs. We talked about NixOS last week, which will let you sort of define a text file for what an install will look like and what will download. You can do. There are similar things available for Windows, like Brew for the for the Apple Mac Store.
1: Oh, okay, makes sense.
0: So the second thing I'm going to talk about is VS Codium. So Visual Studio Code is a Text editor, effectively, but it's a text editor on steroids. You can install all sorts of packages and extensions to it. It's a Microsoft product that's like a cut-down version of their development environment, Visual Studio. I say cut-down, but what you can plug into it is really quite insane. You can plug in, for example, SQL Server query web managers at Windows. You can put in terminal managers at the bottom of it. You can have Python extensions or Rust or C Sharp or all manner of things, and it will actually compile it within the environment itself but it's owned by Microsoft. They make it open source, or at least they make most of it open source, which is great. You can go to GitHub and you can download it and have a nice time. But again, as with Chromium, somebody has de-Microsofted Visual Studio Code and you can download VS Codeium for Mac, Windows, or Linux and have all the Microsoft components taken out, but still make use of that massive extension store that's in the back end. So if you're trying to do any Markdown writing or write some Python and make use of Jupyter Notebooks or something like that, then you can download VS Codeium, still make use of all the extensions that are out there for such a huge text editor as it is, and it just works really, really well. And I've been very impressed with it so far when you're trying to do a bit more in-depth coding you can't use Xcode for everything, I find. You can use it for lots and lots of things, but if you're trying to do something a bit different, run Docker containers or something like that, then you can get an extension for VS Codeium and then actually direct, natively develop your Docker containers inside of your text editor, which is really cool.
1: Yeah, that does sound good. I've used it a little bit, actually, and I think Xcode is very good, but it's very clunky for when you just want to edit a file and actually something like BBEdit or VS Codeium, as you just said, seems like the right solution for that.
0: Yeah, it works pretty well and it's got a dark mode and you can't go wrong with a dark mode, can you?
1: You're speaking to me that runs exclusively in dark mode on everything. (laughs) Brilliant.
0: Anything else to talk about, Chris?
1: No, I think that's it. I think that was a good overview of, yeah, 15 years of the App Store. Thank you to everybody for listening and as always, if you want to get in contact with us, Rod is at g5maniac at scott. I'm at CJP at social. and you can drop us the email at wakefromsleep at protonmail.com.
0: Talk to you next week, Chris. Cheers, Rob.